This is Mew and Me. It's automatic games for cats. Um, let me try that again. This is Mew and Me. It's the first collection of games designed just for cats that's meant to be left on when you're away from home. The games automatically cycle throughout the day and try to figure out what your cat likes best. And the best part is, once you come home, it shows you what your cat has been up to. So, um, yeah, that's Mew and Me. Games for cats, facts for people. Boom! What's up, everyone? Welcome to Simulation. I'm your host, Alan Sakian. Very excited to be talking about the heroic power of games, conscious gamification, taking a stronger emotional tie with our animals and understanding the science behind all of this. We have Willem Delventhal joining us on the show. Hello. Hello. Thanks for coming on. Really Absolutely. appreciate it. I'm very <laughs> grateful we met at Ross Science Film Festival and that we are now able to unpack your journey in this field. This is going to be a lot of fun. Very pumped. Very I'm excited. Pumped. Yes, yes. For those who don't know Willem's background, Willem spent four years doing software engineering with Lumosity. He has now, for the last year and a half, been doing as the founder and CEO of Mew and Me, working on this project. Also, uh, is very fascinated with conscious gamification and the heroic power of games, so we're going to be unpacking that. So, all the links are below to Mew and Me as well as Willem's website. Go check out his Instagram. Willem, let's start things off with this big history perspective. We find ourselves as stewards of Earth. What is your current take on the state of humanity? That is such a big question. <laughs> um, so I think that basically we, at least as a country, are in one of the most polarized time periods we've been in a long time. Um, and I think that the, the biggest thing that we're lacking is uh, empathy, basically, an emotional perspective. Um, it, it's, it's what I consider my greatest strength is being able to be emotional. And it is also what I consider to be the next step in human evolution, as you love to talk about. Um, I think that, uh, especially for men, we've spent a long time being told to suppress our emotions, and I got extremely lucky um, to grow up in a, an artistic family. Uh, I had two theater professors as parents, so emotions were always on the forefront, and now that I'm in the working world, and uh, especially in a design framework, I have found that emotions are one of my greatest strengths. So I basically think that uh, we could all be a little more emotional. Yeah, that is extremely powerful. <laughs> I, I agree with you totally on the vulnerability side of things and the importance that that actually has in both working on one's own self-work, this sincere process of developing oneself as being able to express oneself emotionally really mm -hmm. well, uh, at the same time as uh, what it does for the communities of people around us when we're able to completely open up and talk about what's going on in our lives. Yes. Um, it's a, it's, that's, that's a lot of, of importance there. Also, when you want to address, you can look over here too. Yeah, got yeah, it on this one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so on that emotion side of things, there's this there's this part of of our world, and I like to kind of think about it like a bell curve. There's like a vast majority of people just want peace and dignity and mm -hmm. stuff. A lot of people want like activism. They're like constantly fighting mm -hmm. um, for that peace and dignity, and then kind of like the malevolent people that are the ones that are making it so that we have these trillion dollars in budgets of militaries and stuff, trying to fend off these like 11 people. And it's just a bunch of ignorance that needs to be cured. Now, where do you see you know, this increase in emotion and empathy taking into play with these 8 billion people and these tribes of countries? How does that end up taking us towards progress? Yeah, um, another big question, another good question. So. Um, what I'm seeing, I, I am very much, like I said, I've, I've been in games pretty much my whole life and I've been in products uh, as well, um, at least almost as long. And where I'm seeing it most is our perspective on capitalism. Um, so a lot of the, we can talk about this more in a second, a lot of my own inspiration comes from the group Conscious Capitalism. Um, basically, uh, it, it just makes intuitive sense that if the people that you are paying money to don't feel like they have your best interests at heart, then you know, you're not going to want to work with them. Um, and as our world becomes more and more uh, tech savvy, um, 
being able to hide that, being able to hide the fact that you are manipulating or you abusing your workers or your uh, users or whoever um, is just more difficult. Mm -hmm. So you know, we're moving towards a place where the companies that genuinely care and genuinely do good are being empowered. Um, it is what I see as the, the largest trend in business today. Um, there's all kinds of other things we might talk about, like crypto or I don't know, um, VR, AR. But ultimately, what I see the biggest trend being is it is harder to be a scumbag, and it is therefore powerful to not be. <laughs> yeah, the radical transparency that we mm -hmm. see happening is preventing scumbags. Yeah, yeah, that's that's a very good point. But there's also still a lot of um, mm -hmm. yeah, off like offshoring and um, mm -hmm. all these other ways of of. Uh, but but like you said, crypto will potentially help with uh, that radical transparency mm -hmm. and. Um, and there's a lot of technological solutions that are coming into play to, to decrease the, the increased rad rad radical transparency, decrease scumbag. That's funny. <laughs> I like that. I like that. that. And that's very important and very true. And conscious capitalism has been a huge, you know, shout out to Alexander McCobin mm -hmm. and, and, you know, conscious capitalism. We love you guys very much. There's, that is a whole very important movement um, in the direction of really thinking about how we engage with our employees, how we engage with our customers, how mm -hmm. we um, do what we can to give back to, mm -hmm. to the world that has is, that is, uh, helped us make what we've built yeah. um, a reality. So it's interesting that we talk about emotion because and empathy and and the importance of that because you know you're also doing that with me and me now which you know we'll get to but it's like this emotional tie to your to your uh, to your animal to your cat and and okay so even prior to unpacking that mm -hmm. you know how did you become who you are with this tagline heroic power of games <laughs> and conscious gamification like what led Willem to that you know? yeah. Um well, so I grew up, as I said, uh, in an extremely artistic family, um, and uh, I think I think, you know, the the thing that I'm most grateful for, where I would say I am actually entitled, is that love that they gave me and that support that they gave me, um, because that's not something that everybody gets. So I think the first place it started was with this family and with the just amount of support and exploration that they encouraged. So I was trying all kinds of things. You know, I was a um, a diver. I was building stuff, doing construction. Um, I was uh, constantly, though, crafting and um, constantly interested in the emerging trend of, of the tech world. You know, it was already there, but uh, I'm a 90s kid, so there certainly was already a tech world, but it wasn't quite to the extremity that it was already. Um, and what actually changed is just for fun, I built a game um, when I was 15, and uh, addictinggames.com, one of those old flash websites, mm. bought it for 500 bucks. Uh, and so, you know, $500 isn't going to get you much. But as a 15-year-old, I was like, like this is something happened. Um, and since then, it sort of uh, I've been channeling the creative energies that I've always had into this field of games. Um, and then when I, I moved out to California for Lumosity a little uh, four-ish years ago. From where? Um, from Connecticut. So Connecticut. I was an East Coaster. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. you did Rhode Island for the... Yeah. Rhode Island school for school. Called? It was... Roger Williams University. Roger Williams University. Yeah. The Rhode place rocks. Okay, yes. So Connecticut. And both your parents were designers, you said? Te uh, teachers, teachers, but theater teachers. Theater teachers. So, mm -hmm. okay. So there was a very, like, humanities and, and arts yes. side to both of the teaching. And you had a great amount of unconditional love mm -hmm. growing up, which I totally agree is mm -hmm. such a cool, you know, principle of, of parenting that makes powerful it children. It is powerful. People, yeah. 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 So, so for instance, the reason that I chose that word, like, power, heroic power of games, it's sort of presumptuous and it's sort of masculine. Um, but the reason that I go for it is because what, what conscious capitalism, I would say the biggest thing I took away from them is it is totally okay to make money. And in our, in our especially in America, in this capitalistic society, it, that is how power flows. Um, if you want power, money is often involved. And uh, I, I think you know what attracted me to and why I came up with this conscious gamification thing is games are this powerful motivator and can be used in really negative ways. There are examples of it being you know, used to create addiction, used to, to influence people to do crazy, awful things. But I think it can also be used to create good for the world and because, once again, people genuinely care about companies that genuinely care about them to use to make a lot of money, too. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. That 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 is so so important. Um, you know, and and that's interesting because that kind of took you, you know, in your in your youth when you started getting involved in in games, and then you realized that like when you moved to the Bay, you got involved in Lumosity, mm -hmm. which is very interesting because then you realized this like really this crazy heroic power because this is like really working on our, our mental health and well-being mm -hmm. games that could do that um, and so yeah so teach us about now this transition to the Bay Area mm -hmm. doing that and then getting the immune me and yes the power yet absolutely so yeah I would say Lumosity is one of the you know one of my foundational moments um, I started working with them on children's games and then transitioned into, you know, just their more standard games. Um, I, I've been a game developer for them, so I was both engineering and actually, you know, um, conceptualizing and, um, and, and sort of leading product. Um, uh, but of course, these are actual games. They're not, uh, they are products, but they're, they're primarily games. Um, so I think, you know, what Lumosity gave me is, uh, there's a concept in the gaming world called serious games. Um, I actually don't love that term just because it's um, not very specific. You know, if I just said serious games, you wouldn't know that I was even saying a term. You yeah, would just yeah. be like, oh yeah, a serious game. <laughs> um, but regardless, there, there's a whole, there's a big With movement. Like an intention to learn, is that what that means? So not, uh, it is very wide. It's basically, you know, when you say games, and I actually resisted the gaming industry for a while for this reason. Okay. When you say games, you often don't think um, of any serious intent there. You know, this is a thing for pleasure and that's it. Um, and this is a thing to pass the time. You know, it's a waste of energy even. That's a perspective that a lot of people have on games. Um, so serious games, it's a movement of people trying to, I would say two big things. One, see games as an art form, mm -hmm. which I would absolutely argue it is. Yes, yes. Um, and two, use games in ways, um, use this power of games. I think, you know, we as an industry are starting to realize we know some stuff. You know, we have spent 40 plus years figuring out how to get people to do something that they don't have to do. Um, you know, you have to pay your taxes, you have to go to work, but you don't have to play a game, and yet on average, um, people are spending, um, the stat is I think it's 6.2 hours a week, a gamer is spending 6.2 hours a week playing a game. And so why do they do that? Um, what I would argue, and, and a lot of other people in the gamification field, Yukai Chow is my favorite, um, would argue is, Basically, we have learned how to motivate people and influence people to, to do something. Yeah, um, yeah. And so this conscious gamification, this movement to the Bay Area is, okay, so I have this ability to get people to do something. Lumosity has this ability because there's this higher purpose to their games. You know, you are educating, you are learning. Um, and so you play the games despite the fact that there are much better games out there as far as entertainment value because they have this higher purpose. And so yeah. that's what I mean by yeah. the heroic power of games. You have this ability to motivate people to do things, and coupling that with something positive, with positive intention, makes it incredibly motivational, incredibly powerful. Um, and, uh, and I think you know, that's where the country is moving, and that's where I think games can be used as, where they can be moved to. That's such a good point. Is that you, if you if people are already spending you know six point two hours a week on mm -hmm. on games, that there's a there's like we were talking about this bell curve earlier with like potentially like malevolent actors that are mm -hmm. that are just trying to hook people in to like get them to do meaningless potentially things and and that are. Uh, also ad highly addicting that are potentially bad for the health to keep them sedentary all this kind of stuff mm -hmm. then there's you know then there's these really po the, the power of games I like that way more than you know serious games but mm -hmm. like to, you gotta say it with that energy and enthusiasm that you say it with the power of games yeah. like the, the power <laughs> it's, it's beautiful and when you say it that way you can really get people to think on you know Lumosity or Mew mm -hmm. and Me these, mm -hmm. these games that give us these that can that can help us live better more filling lives or that can even potentially get us to better understand uh things like big history mm -hmm. or things like you know how we ended up even beginning to these eight billion humans on this rock who innovated all of these things that we see around us every day so there's games that can kind of expand our um, our awareness of reality yeah and i love thinking about that and that's hopefully what we'll see with some of the virtual and augmented reality yeah. as well very looking forward to that um, you know, okay, as you, you know, you have, we have this cool, yeah, graphic on, on, yes, right here. So, yeah, <laughs> teach us, teach us about how this is both, you know, that, that conscious gamification plus, plus the heroic power of games. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah, so, um, 
This, so first of all, if you are a conscious capitalist or you know them well, you'll see very much inspired by them. Um, I was trying to, this is a first stab, a sort of version 1.0 of conscious gamification. Um, I, I have this very personal connection to that symbol in the middle, uh, the grail. Um, the grail, yeah. The grail. <laughs> yeah. And you know, one of my, one That's of the things. you get when you achieve achievements. When you games. get there, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So one of the, um, you know, one of, one of the things that brings me a lot of joy is sort of uh, making the world a fantasy, you know, and, and I think what finally clicked for me is that's what games do. The reason you play a game is because it is your fantasy. It, it gives you a sense of meaning. It gives you a sense of purpose. It gives you autonomy. Mm -hmm. It has all, many, all these different little parts, and you get to play this role versus watching a movie where you're experiencing someone else's interpretation of that, of that same story. Mm -hmm. So this is recognizing that ability, and the grail, yes, is the, is the heroic purpose. We're going somewhere with significant value. Um, and then it's basically the, the different areas of expertise that combine to, to uh, make conscious gamification, the heroic power of games, something powerful. So first of all, just game design by itself is really powerful. There's a reason that chess has been around since we can possibly remember. Mm -hmm. We don't have written records of the first, mm -hmm. you know, of the first time chess was played. Um, products, I think, are, are uh, the reason I have products in there is because that's our current language. We're a capitalistic society. Products are how we talk to each other, how we sell to each other. Um, empathy is what I've been talking about with this sort of more emotional designing. Um, it is what I think the next step, and there's already a lot of evidence for this, towards product design, especially in, in um, emotional design. Mm -hmm. um, so the, what turned me on to this, um, my talk at GDC, which I think we'll get to, uh, was about empathic design, which is a term uh, coined by a woman named Danielle Credick. Yeah. Uh, and she's the head of the Empathy Lab at Google. Yes. She's basically trying to use empathy to teach AI to be better AI. Like, yeah, yeah. So, so empathy is already working its way in, and it's in many industries. And um, what, I, what I want to impress above all else is that it really is a superpower. Like, being able to understand your user and figure out exactly why your user is feeling the way they are allows you to create things that you couldn't possibly create. Yeah, um, yeah. And then consciousness is, uh, this is inspired by um, conscious capitalism again. That's there because um, I think we have a responsibility to create things that are not hooking people in, are not addicting them. Um, and once again, this is another strength. It is not just a call to arms or something. Mm -hmm. uh, if you look at Facebook, for instance, I would argue that it's falling out of style right now and that they have a lot of things to figure out right now. Mm -hmm. And one of the reasons that they're falling out of style, among, among many, That's um, the way to explain it, yeah. is because um, they've been abusing their users. If you, if you just think about motivational levels, which is, uh, so gamification is applying game design principles to get somebody to do something, basically. Mm -hmm. And really, it's just human motivation. Mm -hmm. So if you look at motivation, if you just look at Facebook through the lens of motivation, um, they are very good at getting you to stay in their system, right? They have spent years making it, making it really enticing to stay in Facebook and spend a lot of time in Facebook. Yeah. But what they're doing and what I think they haven't really noticed yet, and this is why conscious gamification has a strength, is they're slowly motivating people to leave them. Mm -hmm. They're building the motivation to eliminate that time period. Yeah, that's right. Um, you know, right. look at the way we treat addiction in our country. Like, if I'm addicted to cigarettes, I'm going to have 20 people in my life who are really pumped to help me lose cigarettes. Mm -hmm. And so, why would you not? Why would the same thing not happen for a product? And I would argue it is. It's starting yeah. to happen. Uh, this is a very important point. Um, so, when you don't follow a, a conscious gamification, when you don't follow a paradigm of a heroic power of games where that grail is in the center mm -hmm. and you have to have these components, um, that you have to have the, the game, the product, the empathy, the consciousness all together. Mm -hmm. when, when, when that comes together, then your game continues in style because you're motivating people to have some sort of more meaning in their life or more awareness expansion, that type of stuff. Mm -hmm. When your product is not following those principles, it falls out of style and then you see it kind of in a similar way to like, you know, cigarettes. And I'm pretty sure that Benioff said that Facebook mm. was like a cigarette. Yeah, and it I, is. Yeah, and I was we're like, drawing those conclusions already. Yeah, yeah. It 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 um, 
the filter bubble aspect to the uh, the advertising aspect, the fact that that's how they make the money that mm -hmm. hooks you in, mm -hmm. and so then that this all these things are a little added like cancers to what could have potentially been a heroic uh, way of of having civil uh, discourse and community engagement. So I have the perfect example for you. Um, so a lot of what I'm talking about right now, um, I just want to give credit where credit is due. Yukai Chow. Um, he wrote Actionable Gamification. If you're interested in how to improve your product through game design principles, get that book. He's amazing. Um, he, he talks about white hat versus black hat gamification. Basically, gamification that's positive, gamification that's more negative. And he says that there is a place for both. And I would argue that there, in fact, is. Teach us about why there's a place for white is like positive, black is negative. Exactly. Yeah. So, so my first example is almost entirely white hat gamification. And I also like it because it is, um, you, wouldn't, you wouldn't think this website is gamified. And that's Wikipedia. It's so, gamified? It's gamified. So um, this is one of the problems with gamification. People tend to think like there's points. Yeah. And then the, so this is a Yukai Chow <laughs> again. He calls it the PBLs. Care. Yeah, exactly. Okay. He calls it the PBLs, the points, badges, and leaderboards. Uh -huh. And that's what, yeah, that's, yeah. Uh, gamification is kind of a bad word at this point in product land. And that's because a bunch of companies paid a lot of money to a lot of people who told them that they could make them a lot of money and then nothing happened because people didn't get deep with it. They were like, I'm going to slap some points on a subpar product and then that's good enough. Uh. Um, so with Wikipedia, it is not obviously gamified, but it is, and I'll tell you why. So if you were to randomly insert a swear word onto a random page okay. on Wikipedia, yeah. it would take on average 1.7 minutes to be removed. Yeah. That is not automation. Yeah. That is a volunteer finding that swear word and removing it. Yeah. Your edit, they're like manually looking through your edits to make exactly, yeah. especially when you don't have when you haven't built up your credit score yes. on Wikipedia, which so, you need to build yes. up. Yes, yeah. so this is someone who has signed up for um, probably I don't actually know how this works, but this is my assumption on how it works. They've probably signed up for like notifications. This page is, has been edited, and then they feel a responsibility to go edit it, and they remove this swear word. So this person is spending hours a day, voluntarily, no money, no attribution policing Wikipedia. And it's not, there is no actual like extrinsic motivation for that. The reason that they're doing it is because they are protecting the knowledge base of the human race. Yes. They're yes. doing it because they have empowerment. They're doing it because they have meaning. Yeah. Um, and that's where I would argue it's gamified. Why do we play a big RPG game? Because we have meaning. We're the hero of time or whatever. Mm. Um, and so they're not giving you like points, but they're absolutely gamifying their product. They're absolutely giving you the sense of meaning. Interesting. So they're deliver Wikipedia is delivering a sense of meaning because you are a warrior for the foundation of knowledge. And there's nothing wrong with that. So that's what this is. This is saying, so short term, you can absolutely hook somebody in and get them addicted. But long term, that's a, that's, it's not going to work. So what I'm saying here is I can use game design theory, human motivation, to get you to use a product and have that be equitable for all of us. Yeah, have yeah. us all be happy yeah. about that and have you experience no negatives for that. Yes, um, interesting. So that's the white versus black hat. Right. Interesting. And there is black hat gamification. So my other example is Nike Plus. Okay. You know, they, they are a much more literal example of gamification. You have points and levels and badges and all that stuff. For um, like running for in running. your shoes? Yeah, yeah. So this was, I think they just do it with your phone now, but for a while okay. they, they had a, a little like attachment that was basically, a, you know, counted your steps, right? Mm -hmm. um, sort of Fitbit type. Fitbit's actually a, a perfect example as well. Yeah. If I got you, um, I wouldn't use the word addicted, but if I gave you the same kind of hooks that Facebook uses, make you feel kind of guilty for not running or something like that, mm -hmm. give you a, a sense of social pressure to keep running, mm -hmm. I would argue that's fine, you know, because it's improving your lifestyle and unless it's subtracting from other parts of your life, yeah, yeah. that's actually good. So that's yeah. where black hat gamification can actually work its way in. Okay, so you'd call black hat gamification maybe a little bit of social pressure to maybe get someone to not buy the th second ice cream of the day. Yeah, so there's a... Um, run. Yeah, yeah, so there's a... Um, the, this is Yukai Chow's terminology, so I'm, I'm just using it to, for anybody who knows it. Um, there's a, he's, he calls it his octalysis framework, which I like. Mm -hmm. um, it's basically his eight key human motivators. Mm -hmm. um, one half is all of the more negative stuff. That's basically preying upon our insecurities is generally how you would think about it. So social pressure is on there. Um, 
you know, making you feel obligated to do something, hooking yeah. you into it. Yeah. That's, that's black hat versus meaning is a perfect example of white hat. I am called to action. I'm not like mm. compelled or manipulated mm -hmm. into it. Mm -hmm. If that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Whoa. Yeah, this is extremely powerful. <laughs> yeah. Now, as you know, as you're giving these examples of, of, um, of white and black hat gamification, and I'm sure, you know, eventually the Yu Kai Chao, like, we would love to figure out a way to feature, mm. uh, this is a him? Is this him. A him. Yeah, okay. Um, on the show, that would be super fun. But, you know, it's, it's kind of is teaching me a bit more about how you got your, you know, your framework mm -hmm. for what you're making mm -hmm. now. And I'm glad that you did this. You're like, you are a conscious game developer. Mm -hmm. Like you are, you're like that. You're like the pinnacle of conscious game development. I love that. Mm -hmm. um, I, I call myself the conscious games guy. The conscious games <laughs> guy. Yeah, yeah. I love that. that's so good. That's so good. And you're also, you know, you're spreading the message at GDC when you were mm -hmm. when you're speaking and when you're um, when you're hanging out with other game developers. You're spreading the conscious game development. And so, all right. So now. Um, take us into how applying this and everything you've learned mm -hmm. uh, got you to the aha moment of, okay, I'm going to do Mew and me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, well, so I'll tell you why Mew and me started. It started before this. Um, basically, I have always had animals, uh, but my family, we, we moved a lot, but primarily we were in like really, you know, uh, we're in the middle of a forest right now, for instance. There's like 2,000 acres of forest around us. So we've always had animals. They've always been outdoor animals. Um, Fez, who's featured in that commercial you just saw, uh, the little tuxedo cat, um, is my first cat that I own myself. He's my first indoor, because I live in the city. Um, and he's my first solo cat. Um, so really what happened is I got this cat. I noticed that it was really obvious. <laughs> that one, thank you. Um, I noticed that it was really obvious that he missed me. He, he'd literally be waiting at the door for me to come through, mm. you know? Um, and my level of guilt, really, uh, was just escalating through the roof. So one weekend, I like, took these really cheap toys and soldered some wires into them so that I could plug them into the wall. Hey, Fez. <laughs> um, so that I could plug them into the wall uh, and, and leave them running and actually program them to turn on and off. So giving him something to do while I was away, basically. And that was just, to me at the time, it was nothing more than like a silly, fun weekend project. Um, but a bunch of my friends, a bunch of my cat friends, freaked out about it, wanted like actual blueprints. Um, and then my business mentor, who I had told a couple dozen ideas to by that point, uh, 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 flipped out, we'll say. He thought it was incredible. Yeah. Um, and so it was, I, th I think as all the best companies go, it was, it was built out of necessity. It was like, oh, yeah, I feel yeah. so bad about this little cat. Um, and I, around there, I remembered that I was a game developer. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. here I am making games for cats. Um, That's a great story, the genesis story of yeah. company. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And so then you, you know, as you realize that you've pieced this, this system together and you're like, interesting, I want to now bring this forth into an actual product. Mm -hmm. Yes. So tell us about Yeah, um, so it was, it was still mostly for Fez for a while. It was mostly just like, okay, I could probably build him some games. Um, and I think it was really, uh, it was actually a, a Tony Robbins event, I think, where it really got real. You know, I was considering it. Um, good, good, yeah, we love Tony, yeah. It was at UPW? On it was at UPW, yeah. Yeah, good, good. So, so Tony is fascinating. You yeah. know, I think, I think likening him to a cult is totally legit. Yeah, there's yeah, going to be parts yeah. where you're like, Ugh, but yeah. there's, gonna, there's a lot of really good, good stuff. Good stuff, yeah, um, yeah. So I went to one of those sort of without knowing what it was. Um, and just the level of, of motivation that you experience from that. And, and the other thing is the number of really amazing people that I met there who I told this silly idea to yeah. and then reacted extremely positively, yes. I think was what really sealed it. I was like, yeah. okay, so I gotta figure out how to quit my job yeah. and start a company for cats. Yeah. Um, never would have expected it, but man, the amount of joy that this brings me, it's yeah. pretty ridiculous. That's great, yeah, that's what yeah. I'm talking about. When you wake up every day and you're just like, whoa, I'm yeah. doing like what I love and it feels great, yeah. yeah well, and even then there's still downs, right? Of course. Still, yeah, but we got it, yeah, we persevere. Yeah, 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 I, yeah so this is a Tony term, um, push versus pull motivation. 
Um, you, can, you can push yourself into something for an extended period of time, but much like black hat gamification, eventually that's going to fail. You know, you're incurring debt on yourself, kind mm -hmm. of, versus pull motivation is something that pulls you forward. It's that sort of higher purpose. It's yeah. a meaning. Um, and uh, I, I just want to impress here, because I just had a, a personal conversation with a friend, um, that I, I, don't, I don't think it exists where you could possibly be pulled all the time. I think that that's a lie, and that people who say, you know, you got to find the thing that never feels like work. It's going to feel like work sometimes, and that's yeah. okay. Yeah, and yeah. you just got to push through those moments. Yes, yes. Um, that's a good so, way to put it. Yeah. So you're like pulled towards <laughs> this higher destiny, yeah. but through this social fabric that yeah. has these, that, that has these, like these, these, the, uh, the ups and downs that you, you know, that you got to, you know, also push yourself through those mm -hmm. because that's how you persevere. Yeah, you're going to have down way. days yes, and yes. that's normal. And that doesn't mean that you're wrong about what you're working on. <laughs> yes. That's a great way to put yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So now, you know, this emotional connection, like with Fez, you know, you were mm -hmm. like, you know, the cat, your cat's like waiting there for you, right? And you're yeah. just like, I want to be able to connect with my cat mm -hmm. during the day mm -hmm. and engage with it in a way that both increases the health of our connection, yeah. my health at work, the cat's health when they're moving and playing. So tell us about how then that gets you to the mutiny development. Yeah, so I had a kind of magical moment. Um, I had set up a, a webcam to test if he was playing these original toys. And I turned on the webcam, and then uh, I was controlling it uh, via remote. So I had, I, I could actually, it was a computer that could actually make do stuff, right? So I put on a, a video of some birds, and I'm watching the webcam, and he like wakes up and turns around and walks over to the camera and is standing there directly in front of me. And, and that like dopamine hit, mm. and that sense of, like I'm giving him something, yeah. you know, I feel less bad about him being alone, yeah. was a huge moment. Yeah. So this was, um, I think that was sort of, that was a, a true Genesis moment um, where I went, okay, so this is what I'm trying to deliver. Um, the, the original prototype name for this, there were a few, but one of my favorites was Fluffy Love. Fluffy Love. <laughs> <laughs> because, you we know, that's get, We can feeling. get you some of that in San Francisco. <laughs> that's yeah. true. Yeah. Um, but that, that was actually one of the reasons I avoided yeah, you it. avoided the name, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but so, you know, that's, that's what I'm trying to express. When you, when you hug an animal, there's such a, um, th there's a quote that I don't quite remember the whole thing, but, you know, what short little lives our animals live and they spend most of it waiting for us to come home. Oh, you know, wow. like it is, it is a gift that they give us. Interesting. And, and, and so there's a sense of responsibility, but there's also just this great sense of gratitude of like love and appreciation. So that's what, I'm, what I was trying to create. And then um, I think because of this lens of lumosity, I realized, you know, nobody is kind of existing in this animal behavioral space. Um, there are people who are doing things that are kind of similar and are touching on many of the same you know, problems, that same feeling of guilt when your animal's alone. But there's no one who's really, um, who, who has that sense of purpose, that sense of meaning to expand our understanding of animals at large. Um, and so I think that was another big moment was, okay, so I have something that'll be kind of interesting for Fez to do when I'm alone, when he's away, when I'm away, when he's alone. Um, and uh, not yet, but I'll be able to remotely control it or make it do fun things and I'll be able to play with him remotely. But what if I'm also, learning about him, delivering me as a user more content about this animal, but delivering humanity a greater understanding of animals in general. Um, and that was, I think, where, that was what the GDC talk was about, and that was also what, what flipped me into this conscious gamification land. I was like, okay, so I can use a game to have this higher purpose for my users and to basically, under the radar, slip some empathy to them. Yes. You know, this animal is more than just an animal. Yes. And I know you already know that, but let yes. me show you. Yeah. Yeah. That's a whole new way, you know, fascinated with time. And so when you think about just the 16 hours that we have awake, and then if you're going somewhere to work for eight plus your commute, yeah. you know, you're really your cat or dog or, you know, your animal at home. Is it like three to six hours of your day? If, Maybe. Yeah, 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 yeah. Hopefully it's like six or seven. Hopefully yeah. it's that long. But that's, yeah, that's crazy that they're spending more time without you than with you. Then. They are literally, yeah. Yeah. And I mean, if weekends, you're, unless you're including sleep. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, sleep. Yeah, yeah, correct. So then that really also kind of makes it, makes us further realize how much we really need to build these 
platforms mm -hmm. that, that, that help give us a greater emotional tie to not only, you know, our connection to the animal, but also to their health, mm -hmm. our health, you mm -hmm. know, that's, that's, that's very good. Okay. So now, um, now you're, you're doing crazy things with this because I, till today, I didn't actually think that we had, you know, cat behaviorists <laughs> and that, oh yes. oh yes, this exists. And so we can actually study mm -hmm. cat behavior and then do things like you were teaching me about their schedule, right? So that they're, if you're feeding them at 9am, mm -hmm. they're going to wake you up to be fed at nine and they're waiting for you at the door because mm -hmm. they have this idea that you're coming back. Mm -hmm. So then you, you can study cat behavior and potentially see when something is wrong, going wrong. So yeah, so teach us about the cat science yes. as well. Yeah. So that was in large part what the GDC talk was about. Um, one of the first things that I did, uh, so, so there was a, a, um, a format that I found when looking at uh, empathic design. This, this, that is an existing term. You can Google that. Um, there's a, a format called empathy mapping, which is a super simple little thing. Um, and this is primarily what I was delivering. This was a thing that I, I hadn't seen, at least, in the game design world. And so that's what I brought to GDC. And then I, I told them this personal story about applying it to cats and then how it wound up being really useful for humans, too. Um, but basically... Uh, when you do a typical user test, anybody who's, who's product-minded or games-minded has done this before. They've sat down with their user, they've talked to them, um, preferably like in the space where they're using the product and all that stuff. Most of the time, what you're actually getting is um, what they're doing with the product and then what they're saying to you. Um, and so my argument is basically that um, talking is kind of a limiting factor because for a cat, obviously, I can't talk to it. I have no idea what's actually running through its head. And so the only lens that I have to look at what's working for the cat is what it's actively doing. And then the other problem is I can't do empathic design. I can't put myself in the cat's shoes because I'm not a cat. Um, so I learned all kinds of things, primarily through a cat behaviorist, also just through doing a lot of reading. Um, cat Sense and Cat Wise are both very good books if you need a cat book. Um, and uh, most of these things, um, wound up improving actual product, uh, actual product like retention and engagement. Um, so in the talk I go, I, I talk about how I applied this process to go from 20% cat engagement to 62, um, mm. which is where we're at right now. And, and that's a, take that with a grain of salt because we have no way to differentiate if that's a user, a human, hitting the games at this point. Sure, <laughs> sure, yeah. Um, but engagement is engagement. If the human's playing it, that's fine. Um, so 62% of our games have some kind of engagement now, whereas it used to be like 20, 30%. Mm -hmm. um, so cat behaviorists are a thing. Their primary duty, um, it, well, is to study just cats in general, but... Um, Those are my uh, cats, by the way, from years ago. <laughs> I just wanted to play them because we Everyone loves their cats. Yeah, I miss my cats. Yeah. How many do you have, Ron? Uh, they were two, two, but they, they escaped, and uh, i never seen them again. Oh, they're heartbreaking. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're, yeah. 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 Cats. yeah, cats are, so, so I think the primary thing about cats, and, and what I experienced from these cat behaviorists, to understand is, we spent, I don't know, 10,000 years domesticating dogs, and you can see the results of that. Dogs love us, you know, they're the, they're the two-year-old who you, who you can do no wrong, they're just in love with you no matter what. A cat is still in large part a wild animal and we've only really been domesticating them for maybe a couple hundred years. They kind of showed up because we had rats in our grain storage and we were like, well, I guess if they eat the rats, that's okay, we'll just leave them. Um, and that was really our relationship with them for a long time. And so that was the birth of the domestication of the cat? That was the was birth of the domestication of the cat. Getting rid of the rats in grain storage? It was grain storage, yeah. And so, <laughs> so this cat behaviorist, the, they're the people who are, who are trying to explain that, um, who are trying to, what they often wind up doing is they'll be, they'll be the person who helps you have two cats get along. You know, if two cats are fighting, cats are, are traditionally very hard to um, hmm. connect cat to cat. You know, they, they are territorially based. And it's because they're still wild animals mm -hmm. and because there are very few species of cats that are actually socialized. Um, you know, it's like lions and then the ancient ancestor of the domesticated cat, and that's basically it. Um, so the behaviorists uh, are the people who are uh, 
um, to use my own terminology, trying to use empathy to understand cats. They're trying to get in cats' heads. Yeah. Um, and so finding those people became a really pivotal part to designing products for them because yeah. I can guess at what's going through a cat's head, but I um, cannot figure out what they're thinking and I cannot figure out what they're feeling unless I have somebody who, who truly understands that. Yeah. yeah. And Thank you, Ron. So now to partner up with, you know, cat behaviorists to run um, more this this underlying science as well as empathy and emotion mm -hmm. that we that we're gaining from that. That's very beautiful, and the way that that can augment our you know communities and and, and world. Mm -hmm. I, I love that you know underlying there. Now you know you did. CatCon last year, mm -hmm. and then that kind of gave you a big ramp up, and mm -hmm. now CatCon's coming up again this year. You're going to give that another big ramp up, get more um, average monthly users, get more. You're going to you're wait. So now that's coming up in June, but then you're also trying to figure out how to um, take the next steps with getting um, the the kind of building out the model of of how to engage the people that are using the platform. Right. So yeah. So tell us about what those next steps are. For yes. You. So um, the, the, the big steps coming up are um, the tablet. Uh, it, the product hasn't significantly changed in a while now. Um, and that's because we're figuring out really foundational questions. Um, so the big thing to change there coming up, I look forward to it, is uh, interspecies multiplayer mm -hmm. is what I call it. Um, so this automatic capability is great. People think it's cool. But what I have found from most of my users is they generally just play in person. And they think it's really cool to have this interesting, unique experience with their cat. Mm -hmm. So what I'm going to be offering is um, what does a game look like that has been intentionally designed for a human to play with a cat? Yes. So competitively, um, uh, for instance, you know, imagine like Mario, a platformer, where the cat is the obstacle. Yeah. You are controlling Mario, and the cat's attacking Mario, and you have to try to dodge the cat. Yeah, yeah. Um, or uh, there could be some some games that are you know that you're played together. Like it's actually an advantage to have the cat somehow yeah, co-op cat games. That's funny. Um, yeah. So that's going to be the next the immediate next step. Those are interesting. Um, very interesting. Yeah, it's currently totally free to use. Where where it will always have a freemium version. You can always use it for free, but there will be paid content. That's mm -hmm. going to be out for this next CatCon, which is the end of June. Um, and then uh, the, the big step after that is actually to design a uh, cat game console, <laughs> um, which is going to be fascinating. It basically means um, a tablet that is dedicated to Mew and Me. It doesn't do anything else besides that, yeah, yeah. but it has some considerations that make it much better for the cat. Um, and then way down the road, this is like three to five years, we'll actually step into physical products that are you know, swinging a cat toy around or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, but sticking with this, with our roots as a game company first. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, there it is. Yeah, I know. Yeah, it's such, <laughs> it is a at, fascinating experience. Look at, the, look, at the, look at the design of that. That's great. <laughs> and a fifth anniversary of CatCon. It's so great that this, that this this happens. At least there's you know this respect towards this animal we've domesticated to try and yeah make things better. Now yeah, interspecies multiplayer is fascinating. You're giving me all this like all these ideas about yeah how to play you know against the cat, compete, but also play with the cat. Mm -hmm. Like um, yeah, maybe you're doing some like you're running on like there's obstacles and the cat's the one that's trying to get rid of the obstacles while you're continuing yes. to run yes, through. Yes, there's yes. all these interesting sorts of styles of games. <laughs> this cat console with like the dedicated components to better see the cat through mm -hmm. the camera. Mm -hmm. Incorporate all the different um, aspects that are going to make it like a whole huge like console and experience for the cat. Um, so, also, you know, I was asking a bit about this earlier. I'm really fascinated with, uh, with seeing what we could do to make this underlying emotional connection and, uh, and scientific understanding of our relationship with dogs mm -hmm. as well. So hopefully, you know, down the line, you said that maybe that'll come in multiple years down the line. Yeah, the, to touch on that quickly, yes. um, tablets are where we're starting. Um, what I always say is it's not the best solution. It's the most accessible one yeah, yeah. that I know how to create. Um, the, when we move into physical, actual physical toys that have the same sort of theme, automatic and remote control play, tracking what the animal's doing, um, that'll be when we can actually get to dogs, mostly because a dog will destroy a tablet. <laughs> yeah, yeah, which is one of the primary concerns of people that are using yes. the, this, uh, my tablet's yes. going to get destroyed. Mm -hmm. Now, 
Okay, I want to loop this all into kind of the first things that you were explaining. So mm -hmm. we have this complex world. We have our desire to be more um, empathetic, to create a better social fabric with like conscious interdependent capitalism, things like this. Mm -hmm. What are maybe these, you know, skill sets that you highly recommend that we develop and teach children as we go into this exponential technology age? I, so I am, um, it's amazing how quickly you, you, you fall out of style with knowing what's in the education system already. So I've been really impressed um, with the with the amount that mindfulness has already worked its way in, mm -hmm. that's one that I would recommend. Um, if you if you don't already meditate, um, find somewhere to do it. Doing it yourself um, is great once you know what you're doing. But until then, find somewhere to do it. Uh, having those people around you is going to make a huge difference. The other thing is. Um, is empathy you know that's that's what I call my um, so I literally gamify my own life um, and that's what I call my quest is creating mm -hmm. empathy um, finding leaders of love as I call them um, people who want to see a more loving world mm -hmm. and the reason that I like that is because um, you know there are two primary motivators if, if you boil it way down to our most primitive selves mm -hmm. it's fear and it's love it's joy maybe is a better word for it but it's it's good and bad right mm -hmm. Um, and we are driven so much today by fear. Um, and fear only really leads to ruin. It doesn't have any productive outcome uh, unless you're literally escaping from a tiger or something. You know, there's no reason to be, to focus on fear. So what I think people need to focus on is that emotional connection. Um, I think especially men, as I was saying at the beginning, have had a long time being socialized that they should suppress their emotions and that it is a strength to do so. And what I'm telling you and, and hopefully starting to convince you of is that that is a weakness. Um, it, is, it is weak to not be able to feel your emotions. You are a worse designer, um, especially for design, especially for creativity. You are far worse if you are not emotional. Um, but also just day to day, you know, whatever you do with your life, um, you can be a construction worker, and if you aren't emotionally feeling out the situation, then you aren't going to experience the full spectrum. It's, it's, a, um, it's a sense. And so if you're cutting off that sense, then you are weakening yourself. So that's, that's what I think, um, that's at least my own vision and my own quest to bring to the world, is a sense of love and, emo and, and being emotional. Um, convincing men especially, and, and I keep saying men especially because I think women have a leg up here, um, <laughs> that it's okay to be emotional and that it is an advantage to be emotional. Um, and, uh, and yeah, I think that's, uh, that's my primary one. Yeah, those are beautiful. Yeah, yeah. The, the, med the meditation is so crucial mm -hmm. um, and for equanimity and for peace um, and for love and compassion, gratitude and all these other really important traits. Mm -hmm. And then as well as, and also like contemplation of, of our own, um, like authoring of our future with mm. meditation as well. Yeah. Um, envisioning that destiny and then, and then making it come true. Yes. At the same time as I agree with you that when you're not feeling this full spectrum of emotion that holy cow are we missing out on our ability to create better, our ability to design better, um, our ability to you know feel what someone else is feeling uh, and how like go behind their eyes and see the story of their life mm -hmm. and why they got to where they are today instead of just you know yelling and like going nuts it's just yeah i like how you you make that really clear like when you want to get to world peace in that direction like yeah that's these are the practices to yeah. get to go there um okay willem couple questions on the way out of mm -hmm. the show that we like to ask okay. okay the first question is are we alone in the cosmos uh i don't think so um at least i hope not so something that you just mentioned is this sort of authoring of your future. And I think that there's so much strength to that. There's um, ultimately your entire life comes down to decisions. And I decided that there are other beings besides humans in the world. Um, and then statistically, and not in the world, excuse me, maybe in the world, I don't know, um, in the universe. Um, but statistically, if you, get, if you wanna go there, it's really unlikely that we are the only beings in the universe. And there's all kinds of examples of this um, and different explanations for why people think one way or another. But regardless, the universe is really big. <laughs> and so it's really unlikely that we would be the only place to create life. So yes, short answer. Playground Earth. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> one of many potential playgrounds. Um, 
this is simulation. So are we in a simulation? That's another decision. And I would say, I haven't decided. <laughs> I, I think that one way or another, um, I, I kind of so I kind of don't like the idea of us being in a simulation, mm -hmm. but it's another one that statistically mm -hmm. it's more likely that we are. Why why don't um, you like the idea? Uh, because it takes away from some of that autonomy, that sense of self. Oh, um, oh. <laughs> <laughs> it takes the fun out of it. Yeah. <laughs> it. Takes the fun out of it. But so my decision there is, I, you know, I don't let that affect me either way. Yeah, yeah. I, I think it's very conceivable that we are, mm -hmm. but one way or another, I'm living this life. Yeah, you're gonna level up regardless. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I'm almost to uh, level two. By level the way. two, yeah, yeah, me too. Yeah, yeah, forever in 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 uh, universe kindergarten. Yeah. I, I yeah, yeah <laughs> okay, and then the last question: mm -hmm. What is the most beautiful thing in the world? Ah, oh, great question. I think. And this is, you know, a very biased opinion, but I think the most beautiful thing in the world is somebody who is passionate about something and goes out of their way to go make it happen. Because that is how humanity moves forward. You know, if you do the same thing that everybody else does, the best you can expect is exactly what everybody else got. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I, I have so much value for being a big weirdo. Me too. And so I just, I find it so beautiful when someone goes, you know what? I'm going to do it this way. And then they go do it. I love those people, mm -hmm. especially when they're loving and caring. <laughs> yeah. 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 That's such, such a good answer. Yes. Is taking the, the uh, being an outlier uh, in the direction of human progress, taking like the burden mm -hmm. on your, on yourself of wanting to change the world for the better for yeah. the next generations and convincing people that that old map, the old code isn't as good as this new code and yes. like getting them in that direction. It's very, very beautiful. Yes. Well, Especially when you manage to stay connected to society and, and, and have yeah. love yeah. and emotion. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Outlier in the, in, the, in the loving and emotional right. sense of building a better world, mm -hmm. yes, yes. This has been super enriching. <laughs> I've had a great time. Thank <laughs> you for too. coming on. I'm super Thank happy you. to hear that. Absolutely. Yes. yes. It has been lovely. Good. <laughs> Very glad to hear that. Thanks everyone for tuning in. We greatly appreciate you. We would love to hear your thoughts in the comments below about the things that we talked about on this episode. Also, we would love for you to check out Willem's links below. Go and check out Mew and Me. Go and check out his website, his Instagram. Check out that below share share it with other cat lovers you know get more people using this and experiencing this really deep emotional connection please please go and share that around huge shout out to ron vagas for producing and directing we love you very much thank you thank you and everyone support the artists and entrepreneurs that you believe in simulation support us our links are below help us grow and go and build the future manifest your dreams into the world we love you very much thank you and we will see you soon peace